I am expectant. I am so expectant. It's like I felt a, res- a restoration of, 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 of early, early beliefs. And now I see them from the maturity of 46 years of journey. And it's even more convincing. And I pray the Holy Spirit, we're not here to convince a doctrine or a dogma. We're here just to, uh, we desire this blessed hope. This blessed hope to be released in the, be- the living body of Jesus again. So that we can walk forward in the things that are coming on the earth without shrinking back or fearing, but going forth with confidence and anticipation and expectancy. Lord, you are coming quickly. So we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. The church begins, well, I should say the disciples begin right before they go to the upper room with uh, Jesus on Mount Olivet, which is where he'll be landing when he touched down. But on chapter Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 9, he says, When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up with a cloud, and he was received, the cloud received him out of, the, out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly, so imagine, you're the, you're the disciples. Maybe there's 120, maybe there's only 15, we don't know, but there's, they're there, and they're watching, and then the cloud receives them out of their sight, and they're just staring. It's all new, never been here before. And it says there, two men stood by them in white apparel, and who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So this is the word of the Lord. You know, you saw him leave, you're going to see him return. In the same way, he's coming. And we'll see today, it's really ironic that as Paul becomes converted from Saul, the terrorist, He becomes Paul, the apostle, and he receives mysteries concerning the resurrection of the church, a unique and beautiful moment that is is set in the Father's calendar. And when he received those things, he, by the Spirit, says, we're going to meet the Lord in in the clouds, and we'll always be with him. So even though no one knows anything right now, there it is. As he left, he's coming back. So I'd like to take us to 1 Corinthians 15. Now, while we get, go over there, can I just tell you my story? I was born again in 1976. I just missed the bicentennial of the nation. I was a late bloomer, got born again October 9th, 1976. And after that event, I began in earnest pursuit of our living Jesus and haven't stopped. I've gotten sidetracked. I've fallen down. I've lost my way. I've been overwhelmed and confused. But other than that, here he, he's still the one in front of me. And that's the thank God, because somewhere in the beginning, God said, search, seek my face. And I said, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. My heart said, I'm seeking your face. And uh, don't seek my hand, seek my face. So I'm, here I am. I continue. And the funny thing about God is You can always find his face. Just look up. Because he's not under you. He's over you. And he's not in the thing that's crippling you. He is above it all. And he's calling you up into himself. And his face is beautiful. And now the whole glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus. Anyway, at the time, you can imagine, America was coming and quickening and desiring awakening. There was, there was the Jesus movement. There was the charismatic movement. And there was a, there was a great expectancy of the Lord's return. Uh, Hal Lindsey wrote the late great planet Earth. There, you know, Larry Norman wrote this song called I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And then there was put a movie together, which probably a bunch of you saw, Thief in the Night. Many, many young people got saved watching that movie because it, it brought about this idea that this completion of the church, this catching away of the church is, a, is, a, is an act. And once it's, a, once it's been initiated, everything starts to go another place and there's no, there's no second rapture. You're going to walk through these seven years. So it, it had its effect. Now, by this time, though, by the end of the 70s and the 80s, there are, 
emerged, you know, and it was even in the midst of the whole thing. I remember my friends, you know, in controversy. It's, you can't, Bible is either something you experience Jesus with or something you argue with. <laughs> you know how it is. You just, I, I know the answer. The answer is Jesus. So if it brings me to Jesus, then that really, even if I'm in somewhat not clarity, as clear as I want to be or will be, I met the man, and the man is what this book's about. But I remember what, you know, scratching my head, because, you know, there's pre-tribulation. Then there was mid-tribulation. I mean, somewhere in the middle, like three and a half years into it. Or then there was post-tribulation, and the people would get in heated arguments. And I remember thinking, you know, I remember a friend of mine said, you know, some of my friends are pre-tribulation, some of mine are mid some of mine are post. I stick with my friends. And that became a good advice for me. In fact, I became a pan-tribulationist. That basically was it'll all pan out at the end. I always figured start with pre because get your tickets early. You don't want to think it's mid and find it's pre. Stuff like that. But uh, also the Lord personally... I moved out of that conflict, and I, he, he, for me, said, I want you to learn the book of Acts because that's where we are right now. So I remember that becoming a dear and still to this day a very dear book to me. Well, what happens in the process of time, there began to be a, a teaching that I think the more I listen to people, I, I still think it's the most preempt, prevalent general idea of, of the rapture, and they, it became pre-wrath, a pre-wrath rapture, which is kind of like a mid-trib rapture. It meant that we would not be, the beloved church would not be here when the wrath of God hit the earth. Now, we might incur some of the wrath of the devil and such, and, and there's truth in that. All you have to do is read Matthew 24, go through about the first 11 chapters, and Jesus said, this isn't even the end. This is just the beginning of the birth pains. Synagogue, you know, persecution, Betrayal, lovelessness, hatred, lawlessness, hold your place. That's just what we're entering into. But that's not, that's not the seven years. It's not Jacob's trouble. Uh, so what happened to me in these recent years is first I found, I, felt, I found myself returning to Jesus Christ. That's probably been the last... Ten years for sure. I'm just, he becomes everything. Everything takes me to him. Everything's about knowing him. And anything that I'm in the middle of that's not allowing me to have a connect union with him is a disruption that needs to be put aside till I return and find and receive and accept him. And in the learning and, and just welcoming Jesus, I then began to see another thing. In the Bible, every event happens intentionally by the Father's will, and it is on time and, and, and unique, and it's a standalone. So I began to consider, wait a minute. I don't really think that the greatest event in Jesus' life as the resurrected Son of God is his marriage. And I just don't think he's going to do that in the middle of of the devil wrecking havoc and the Antichrist climbing up on a, into the temple and saying, I am God, and you got to, you know, I, I just don't think he's... So I started returning to the scripture, and that's probably the second thing this year is just reading the Bible. You know, I am just... I'm being... I've had to... Sad to admit, I'd been reading topics in the Bible for too long studying topics and, and movements or, or ideas. And now I just started reading the Bible. And you be, all of the parables Jesus uses is to prepare yourself for the sudden appearing and to, and to be prepared to respond to him in his appearing. And there's a lot of things that we've kind of picked up on with an idea and hope for, but the Bible is pretty clear about the last days and the days that precede the coming of the Lord. So... I just started reading all of the scriptures, and I started saying, whoa, this is, this is really beautiful. This is really beautiful, because what I found in the, the pre-wrath, mid-trib, post-trib, whatever, it took away my anticipation of preparation and readiness. 
it allowed you to, me to be lazy and kind of, well, you know what, by the time it gets really bad, I'll get really good and we'll be on track. But I didn't have this like a bride getting married, you know? How many of you remember when the day you got married, the weeks and months that went up before it? You just, you're just like, oh, this is, gonna, this is the beginning where we start a new life together. And that's what the rapture of the church is. That's what the marriage of the Lamb is. To his bride is the beginning of the new. And, and so I started going, wow, resurrection life. It's almost like it's one of the main principles of the teaching of the church in Hebrews 6 that we can't go on into the bigger, the higher, the newer stuff, the, the more glorious things unless we've kind of got that one settled. And resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment are, the, are two of the six. So, again, like today, I don't know why we, I didn't know we were singing that song, but I'm thinking, you know, you know when you've been in a move of the Spirit and you feel in the presence of God and the Bible is the only book you want to read and you can't wait to get up in the morning and spend time with the Lord because something's happening every time you're with Him? Now, I'm sure in this room we've all had those moments. Maybe they've been fleeting. Maybe they were long ago. But when they're like that, there's something about, oh, I realize this is a shadow. I am a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. This is not my home. Jesus was right when he prayed and said, I don't want you to take them, Father, out of the world. I want you to keep them from the evil one. But I want you, them, I, they need to know they're not of the world. Their life does not originate from the things they possess. And on and on. And you know when those moments are like that, you feel it. And it changes the way you make decisions. It changes the way you look at life. It changes the way you respond to life when it goes this way or that way. So in 1 Corinthians 15... I'd like to just read a couple verses, and I want to begin with uh, verse 40. No, I want to begin with verse 42. i got to just pull up my notes. I'll wait to do it easier. Okay. So, 50. Verse... No, I want to start up at 42. 42. Thank you. So, also... There's this, this is a massive chapter, massive chapter. There are only two things that make Christians miserable and wretched on the earth today, according to the scripture. Revelations 3 says you don't even know that you're wretched, you know, wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The only, those words, wretched and miserable, are only used two other times, or one other time. The wretched is in Romans 7. He said, wretched man that I am. What is a wretched man? Is a man who tries to be righteous with the law, trying to find, because of my behavior and my belief and the way I'm walking, I am right with God, not realizing the law just empowers and wakens the sin inside us. And miserable is in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, if in this life, we only hope, have hope in Jesus. We are of most men to be pitied. What a miserable state to think that all of life is supposed to happen, all of Jesus is supposed to happen in this life. So this calling to the resurrection, what does it look like? From the beginning of the church, people began to say the resurrection already passed, or there is no resurrection. And Jesus in Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of Revelation says three different times, behold, I come quickly. Now, it doesn't mean like I come in the next half hour, it means when I come, I'm quick. It's like a suddenly. There won't be time to prepare. That's why we see through Scripture, he'll come as a thief in the night. So in the resurrection of the dead, the body is sown in corruption and raised in incorruption. Now I'm 65. When I got saved, I was 19. My body was not near as corrupt as it is lately. You become aware that your dust is dusty. So this is good news. The body sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. That's a bad translation. It literally, in both 
Genesis and in the King James and in the Greek, it says he became a living soul. So the first Adam, and that's why we are so aware of and acquainted with our place in this outward life from our soul. But the last Adam, anybody want to guess who's the last Adam? Jesus, the son of man. He became, not after, not when he was born through Mary, because he was that coming forth in the seed and the flesh of David, he was the only begotten son of God, John 1. But now that he comes alive and is raised from the dead, he is the firstborn of many brethren. And Romans 8 says we are literally being conformed into his likeness, jointly formed. And now this last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. That's the transition all of us are growing in maturity, to learn to bring our soul into submission to the truth of Jesus and God's word, encounter him, submit under him, let his word be truth over us, until finally uh, we are, see the salvation of our souls. That's a whole other lesson, but it's in the Bible. It means I'm going to acquire my soul. It's no longer going to take me hostage and send me off on tangents and stop me from having life, and I'm not going to live in the fear and depression that it might carry. I'll live in a life-giving encounter. And that's why, it's, that's why we're going through hell, frankly. If you're going to be, even though you're a son, you're going to learn to live under the word of God, learn obedience. That's what obedience means, to hear under through the things you go through. You and I will say, wait, the Bible says this, but I'm seeing that. The Bible says this, but I'm experiencing that. The Bible says this, but I'm feeling that. And after you try to get the Bible to fix your feelings and what you're seeing, one day it dawns on us, they go, you know what? Maybe the Bible is true anyway. Maybe I should just agree with the Bible whether I see it, feel it, or experience it. Maybe I should just be in agreement. That's truth coming under. That's obedience. Jesus, having been perfected, is now the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. It's a, it's a listening. It's not doing. It's listening. It's like keeping his word isn't, uh, you know, jot and tittle, do everything it says. It means I value this. I hold this as precious. I don't want to lose sight of it or lose, have it lose its place over me. So the last Adam has become a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. But he had to first become the man of dust, correct? He was born into the flesh. He was a mortal body. He did not have a life, an eternal body, because he gave himself to be placed in the seed and took upon the seed of David, the descendant, so he was carrying everything we carry, except he had, uh, uh, he, he was one spirit with Father, he was, he was sinless, he was com in communion, but he had to learn everything like we did. He was not sitting in the manger looking up in the sky and going, you know, that is an incredible, incredible work I did when I created that. Never seen it from a, cra uh, a manger, but it really is something to behold. No, he was crying because he was hungry, pooping when he needed to. Didn't know who, anything. He had to come in the fullness of dependency of God watching, intervening and leading through Joseph and Mary until he becomes a son in a bar mitzvah and he's beginning to hear the word of God and grow and hear himself and he's realizing he has a father and he's starting to risk believing truth that's in scripture that the scripture he's reading is speaking to him and that that why did he have to do that because he's going to be tested every way we are if he's tested every way we are without sin he has to experience what does it mean i believe this but it doesn't look like that what does the father mean by this i'm not sure if i can do this i mean think about he knew he was about the father's business he was in the father's house and yet he understood that he now had to go submit himself to Joseph and learn to be a carpenter. And yet that was, that's the training for reigning. So often we think the ministry, the future that I've been called in God's kingdom is what I'm supposed to be striving for. I'm supposed to value it, but most of the training is to things you wish you didn't have to walk through. Right? 
just finding your place in God, returning to the Lord, worshiping and praising him. So now the second man is the Lord from heaven. As the, was the man of dust, so also those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Wow. That body is, you know, and that's going to be great. Now, this I say, brethren, and this is important to hear, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So when I apply my flesh or when I apply my soul and I try to accomplish what I see God doing, I'm not going to come into the inheritance. Has anybody experienced that? You gave everything you had, you did all the emotions, you put yourself all the way in, and it's like, whoa, where was the kingdom after that? Nor does corruption inherit corruption. I cannot make my corruption into incorruption. Behold, Paul speaks, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Okay, now the word sleep is code. Jesus used it. And the apostles used it. Peter used it. Paul uses it. It means those who have died in Christ. Those who sleep. Jesus said of Lazarus, my friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go to, you know, wake him. And they're thinking it's a natural sleep. because no, he's dead. So what's the mystery? We shall not all die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Yeah, yeah. We used to, we used to be so excited about this, belief in this, we put it in the nursery. So every parent go in, they will not all sleep, but they'll all be changed. Now, it's just a part of anticipation. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when the, this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That's, that's part of the reason we're having to learn who this glorified Christ is, because we're marrying a glorified man. We're not marrying the Jesus of Nazareth, the Galilean. We're now re re marrying or being brought into, being presented to him, one, into this glorified son of God, the high priest, he, who, who is Lord, who is Messiah, who is king, and so we're having to learn to connect with him. We cannot, we have to think like he thinks, talk like he talks. And we had been given this beautiful, it, it'd be like we're all a bunch of paupers or, you know, a bunch of homeless people found and decreed over that we are to be married to the wealthiest, most powerful, influential person on the earth of great royalty and rank. And we're going, I can't believe it. Well, do believe it. Well, what do I do? And then we're given this manual. Learn who he is. Learn how he talks. Learn how he thinks. Learn how he dresses. Learn how he lives. You're going to come out of your homeless mentality. You're going to come out of your love affair with the world. You're going to come out of your jealousies and envies and strife and division. Because he's not of that. So here, we're going to learn him. So when death is swallowed up victory, then comes that saying, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Now, see, once we begin to fix our gaze upon these truths that are com rapidly coming, we no longer look at the state of the world we're currently occupying. We don't look at the age of our bodies, the deadness of our wombs. Wherever we find ourselves, we start going, no, I'm, 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 I'm anticipating resurrection life in the fullness that's going to come. And I'm expecting something. And I'm looking forward to it. So the sting of death is sin. That's why we still feel it. That's why it still it gets us. And the strength of sin is the law. 
which is huge revelation. You have, to, you have to kind of start accepting truth to believe that. The way sin becomes stronger in an individual is when one makes the decision that I'm going to apply these law, these doings, it just, and it just pulls it out. That's Romans 7. I didn't, know I, I didn't know you weren't supposed to covet, Paul said, until I read don't covet. Then all I wanted was everything. So that's it. But, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this resurrection, this change, this transformation, this was a one moment, twinkling of an eye, and it was going to affect all of his church, and it was going to be complete in that moment, and I believe it is the most anticipated day in the Lord Jesus, the man seated at the right hand of God. It is his marriage. It is his union. He's the head. We're his body, and I'm expecting so therefore, here's the advice. You'll always find the advice of all of this doctrine is about being then very active in your faith in the current moment you're in. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. The reason Jesus said there are people put in positions to care for his people, his body, to do a work, but then they look around and go, oh, there's a, there, he's not even going to show up for anything. So then you give, you're no motivation. So I think I'll just start eating, drinking a little more, just kind of take advantage. I'll, you know, steal a little here, steal a little there, because he, I'll just, I'll just you know, I'll, I'll enjoy myself. And that's where Jesus always has to say, you're going to, that master is going to come in a moment you're not expecting. And then you're going to be separated from the moment you were waiting for. So this anticipation creates this desire to serve. So Rome, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, just a couple more verses. We'll get a whole bunch more in the next, as this month goes on. But 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 18. We might only get into Thessal First Thessalonians 13 through 18. Now, Paul is saying this, and I, you know, I, you, I do this at every funeral because I understand there's a need for, there's an awareness that somebody I love and have been living together life with is gone. And what is that? I mean, I, and I have sorrow. What am I going to do with it? So Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant. Brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, that means died, code word, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Because, yes, anyone who dies without Christ, not in Christ, has no hope. There's no second choice, no second chance. There's no purgatory to work your way through and get life right. And you won't be enjoying anybody's company where you're going. The torment the worms that never die, the fire that never is quenched, the thirst that's never received. There is no, you may notice somebody around, but you're not going to have any benefit. So it's not like people say, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to go to heaven because all my friends will be in hell. Well, that's stupid because that, you know, but it's just, it, it's flippant. It's the scoffing, scoffing of the last days. It's one of the signs that we're close. Anyway, he says, I don't want you to sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So this is primary to our faith. If he did not rise, then, then we, our faith is in vain and our, we're left in our sin. But we believe this. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So there is a, there's a gathering of those all asleep are, are coming. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, the, the mystery that Paul speaks about, the rapture, is not, is not explained in the Old Testament. There's the resurrection of the dead, but there's not this one moment where everybody comes together and the transformation is complete and resurrection bodies are given, and all of a sudden, there's this a whole age is switched. But we say this by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. See, this is the coming I'm expecting. This is the first coming, meaning that this is the coming of the Lord to gather his church to himself. The, the second coming, that, the, 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 the day of the Lord at the end of the end of tribulation and all of the things that will flow out of that is for the Lord to 
set up the new millennium and to begin to reign and to take the, you know, the, the Antichrist and the lock things up, put the devil in, the, in, in chains, put him in a, a pit, and then let the earth start again and go a thousand years until it has to go one more time through. But for the Lord himself, we will not precede those who are asleep, but the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. He's not going to be going, you sure you want me to go get him, Father? Okay. No, he's going to be a shout. A shout, a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So we're talking bodies, bodies coming up out of the grave, and in the process of immediately coming into the presence, exchanged into resurrected, glorified bodies. And all of a sudden, we who are with the Lord, are to die is to be present with the Lord, that, that my spirit, my soul, if I've already died, I'm with the Lord, but now he comes down crying out with a loud voice, and all of a sudden, boom, bam, completion of new creation. All of it finished in a moment. And that happens. But it's like a split second, because then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. This is the mystery part. We hadn't, it's not, in the, it's not in the Old Testament. It's not, Jesus didn't talk about it in the sense of this completion into one, this oneness. They're caught up together in the clouds and they meet the Lord. Remember the angel said, why are you looking up there? This same Jesus, as he, as he left, he's coming. You see, this is, the one, this is, the, this is where you, we want to meet Jesus. Anywhere else is not as good. This is where you want to meet him. This is, this is a, a, a friendship. This is celebration. This is rejoicing. Then they'll meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Always be with the Lord. These words comfort us. These com comfort me. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. But I don't believe it was just meant to comfort those who are suffering the loss of a loved one. It's meant to comfort the entire body. See, we often stop here, but if, let's, go to second, uh, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, just next chapter, verse 1. Paul continues. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you, you have no need that I should write to you. There's an intuitiveness. I... I you, you just start to know these things to be true, especially because the imminency of God's coming. And everybody's sensing this coming of the Lord. And, 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 and you kind of just know the character of Jesus. And you know that this is an event that he's been waiting for and anticipating and expecting. And it's not going to be crowded out or clouded out by anybody. It may look awful and kind of a conflict going in the earth, but it isn't at the last Jacob's troubles, not the seven years. It's his coming and gathering. Could immediately start the Jacob's trouble in the seven years. Could talk, start. The temple could start getting built right when we leave. You know, but this, I'm gonna, I, want, I want concerning the times and the seasons, brethren. You don't, have, you don't need for me to write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So there, from Jesus' words, Jesus' mouth to the apostles, this is a this moment, when it's a quickly, it is like no one is expecting it, no one was anticipating it, but it came and there was no stopping it or reversing it. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. So we know that there will be, there will be enough of sense in the world's mind. Hey, we, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. We're getting this thing together. We're working out some of the issues. We're getting the globalization taking root. It's helping a lot of the issues. We're, we're, we've got creating a harmony that we're forcing, you know, technology, all of that. However they think, just like in the days of Noah, just like in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, there'll be people get, eating and drinking. They'll be giving in marriage. They'll be just living out life. But then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape because they're not in the rapture. They didn't get up. They didn't get called up. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. So this day should overtake you like a thief. 
So in the Bible, we're of two kinds of people now. According to the New Testament, Paul begins to write it in Ephesians. We have what are called the sons of disobedience or the sons of darkness. That means that they're living under the spirit of, of disobedience and they, and they do the ways of, the, of, of their father, the devil, and they're just living from that unregenerated, not born again life. And then there's sons of day or sons of light. And those sons of light we have become. So now we have access to the truth of God and his ways. And this is the greatest way to, to begin to allow light to flood your, into our entire being. So this day will not overtake you as a thief. You're not going to be caught. I, I'm, I'm fully anticipating every day. This is, you know, the assembly of the church, the collecting of everyone else, the gathering, the catching away. That, it does happen in a twinkling of an eye, but I'm telling you, the people are going to be going, I'm, I'm looking, for, I'm, I'm expectant, I'm anticipating, I'm ready. Because assembling together on a Sunday morning is the same word for the Lord to, to gather us together in, in the rapture. Same Greek word. So how many of us got to church without doing something to get here? I mean, I wish you got translated, but then as long as I got translated after my shower, not, you know, that could be embarrassing. In other words, it's, there, there's a cooperation. There's a value placed. There's an interest. So children of light value the things of the light. Anticipate. We're, we're walking out of darkness into light. We're no longer fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness. We're, we're, in, we're going. You are the sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. I think that's a good confession. Can we just say that together, we, instead of you? We are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. It's going to change the way you look at life and change the way you interact with the world. You're not going to be upset with the world acting like the world because the world is the world. I remember I started living for Jesus. I'm 19, then I'm in 20, and I'm out living in Ketchum, Sun Valley, Idaho, and I'm working as a, as a store clerk unloading trucks. It's just a grocery store, Atkinson's Market. And after you unload it in the middle of the night and set the store, you had to face, the, face you know, bring the, the canned goods and bottles up to the front so no matter how little or how much there was it all the shelves were faced off so that was one that was an assignment we were to have and now I silly me I just read the bible and thinking this is what I'm supposed to do and whatever you do do heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men and when you work you don't work for men you work for God and so I didn't know any better than to think that really was true the first job I was ever given in this discipleship house was the bathrooms 17 guys lived and used two bathrooms. Yes, you can already get the vision. But I, silly me, I, I only think that whatever this is is what the Bible says. The Bible says whatever you do, do heartily to the Lord. So I thought, I've got to clean these bathrooms for Jesus. And I would think, Jesus, I know you aren't going to come and use them, but if you did use one, I want you to go, who did this bathroom? This is amazing. It's amazing. It's clean. So I would just do it under the Lord. Try it. Try it with work tomorrow. You will work differently if you go to work for Jesus. You will conduct yourself differently. You will be different. You will be recognized. It's uh, testimony. Cammie comes to the house, gets, rededicates her life, filled with the Spirit, begins to be a part of this gathering groups of people, young people, just coming into the kingdom and all giving our way of life. And her and her friend, they used to marvel. These are the cleanest bathrooms I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I'm telling you not. She testified. She go, where did it happen? Now, here's the deal. I still do the bathrooms at home. It's like an anointing on me. Why well, stop now? <laughs> but I'm in Atkinson's. I'm a few years in. And my, my flesh has caught up many times since then. And I'm kind of going, you know what, this is like, I mean, I'm okay doing the work, but where's the rest of the crew? They're all gone. 
I, and I, you know, go peek in, and they're all having coffee, eating donuts. <laughs> and then I start feeling sorry for myself. Lord, they just leave me to do all that work because they know I'm going to do it. Lord, I felt like Martha. Go tell them they have to go face the shelves. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, and it's never, it, I've never changed it because of that. He said, what? These people are unsaved. They can't do any different. They live to steal. They cheat. They lie. Whatever they can get for nothing, that think they won. That's not you. You're my son. Yeah, you're my son. You act like I act. Oh. And I went from one of those, Wah, to, oh, God, please. But it's true. We don't get to live like the world. We don't get to act like the world. We don't get to use the worldly ways to do the kingdom's dynamic. It's what it is. So we're not the sons of darkness. We're the sons of light. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, and let us be watch and be sober. I mean, tomorrow, get up and think, could this be the day? Could this be the day? What about, what would I do if this was the day? What would I want to say to someone I haven't said before? How would I want to and make sure I've canceled all my debts that I'm carrying over people? How do I get ready? You see, we used to say, live for the, be ready for today and then be prepared to live your life. But never change your attitude. Every day has to be like, I got to have short court. I got to cancel all debts. I've got to live unto the Lord. Whatever I do, do heartily. And just, it just empowers the living. You don't look around and go, well, how come I'm not getting to do what so-and-so is getting to do? And how come I still have to live in that house when they got to have a better house? And why don't I ever get recognized? Why don't anybody? You're just whining. I just, I mean, we just, we do it all the time. I do it all the time. And then you get those moments. God says, shut up. You are my son. I don't expect you to complain. Do you know, go back and read the Bible and see what I did in the wilderness for the people who complained. I let the snakes come in. So you, 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 a son will be disciplined. Without discipline, you're not a son. That's why we have to accept discipline as a valuable thing, and this is the way he loves to take us there. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope of salvation. Yeah. Beloved, we're, we're done with making our life better. It's over. I mean, it's gonna, there, some of us are going to have extraordinary miracles and transformations, and you're going to walk around going, I can't believe what God just did for me. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. But we're not going to preach anymore comfort as a right to our belief. We're going to preach Jesus Christ as the focus of life, and he is sufficient for whatever he asks of me. And when we read those verses, we don't like, like, all who will live godly will suffer persecution. Or you have to do much tribulation to enter the kingdom. And, you, and we're part of the tribulation, kingdom, and patience of the saints. We'll start going, yeah, all right, I'm in. I got to be in. And then we'll not be like, well, like Peter, we won't look around and go, what about John? He's your favorite. And he said, I don't really care what about John. What if I want to keep him in a palace, in a mansion, up in the mountains, in the Himalayas, still living? I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying Jesus said. What if I want to? It's mine to do. You follow me. You follow me. Beloved, that is the greatest word you'll ever hear is when Jesus says, what is that to you? Follow me. It'll, you have to have your eyes on Jesus. I'm following you. You know, they're the, the free, it's just free. So he says, put on that help, helmet, the hope of salvation. I'm inspecting. For God did not appoint us to wrath. God did not appoint us to wrath. God did not. We will, we will walk through some really, some stuff. We may go into greater persecution like it's been in other seasons. We may, we may, we'll see a lot of betrayal. We're going to see the lawlessness increase the lovelessness. It, we, we're not, but that's not the tribulation. When the rapture comes, all of the restraining force that's on the earth to hold the earth from going to hell is taken back so that 
the man of lawlessness can be revealed so that Lucifer can, you know, Satan can have a chance to try to be Jesus and do his incarnation, his resurrection. He's just a phony. Everything in the book of Revelation that the devil does, he does it after God did it. Now, one of the reasons that I believe the pre-tribulation is so clear is that in the book of Revelation, we begin with three chapters that are directed to the church. Then the church is not mentioned again until the marriage in verse nine, chapter 19. Because God is now dealing with Israel, and he's dealing with the earth, and he's dealing with Babylon, and he's dealing with all of these ancient closures that he has to bring. But the church isn't found. Because we're with Jesus. We're having a party. There's people say, oh, the rapture ruined America. Well, here's the deal. I got saved at the, at the beginning of the God and country movement. I got saved in October, 19, not October 1976. I'm 19 years old. I voted in the first election for myself. I voted for Jimmy Carter because he was a Christian born again. Then I voted for Ronald Reagan. And by the time Ronald Reagan's in president, we're in the God country movement. And we're dawning on us. We're dawning on us. We have, a, we have such an inheritance, and we do. So we just need to reinforce it upon the, back to America. We need to get the laws in order and get this back. And it's a good idea. Trust me, I've tried it. I've tried it. But, it, but it, we found that it didn't bring the revival, didn't bring the awakening, didn't bring the change of men's heart because law incites sin. The more the law, the more sin in the matter. People come alive. So I'm in all of that. I do not believe that we went backwards because we believed in the revelation, in the rapture. I believe we went backwards because we quit anticipating the rapture. And we got focused on living in this beautiful country and having a beautiful life and how to have more of this and more of that. Instead of going, you know, I only got a day. What could I do today for Jesus? Well, I don't have a great opportunity to do anything. Well, what, what am I have to do? How can I do whatever I have to do for Jesus? And the, and the heart of the people change because we, we got distracted. So it says, we who die, he who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other, edify one another, just as you are also doing. So this doctrine, this, and this belief, this expectancy affected the church in ways that took the church to overwhelm Rome, to overwhelm all of the persecution because there was this people of the kingdom. I'll read one last verse, Titus chapter 2, uh, 11. There, in the picture of the rapture, you have to understand, once the door closes, there's no coming back in. And that means you're not in, then you're not going in. You can get saved. You can ask God, Jesus, in your heart, and there'll be a lot of people getting saved right after the rapture. Because everybody's going to go, whoa, I think I missed it. Even though, you know, the news, of, the news will be the aliens got us. Or whatever, but it's, it'll come up with, they'll come up with something. And we'll believe it because the strong delusion will be coming. Because God says, you didn't want to love the truth, so you get to believe the lie. Man is in control. Man is in control. Man is choosing his destiny. Man is making the rules. So there's going to be this like, yay, the Christians are gone. And there's going to be these others that are backslidden or, get, did, or walked away from the Lord and don't put their faith in God or have been told about Jesus a hundred of times, but they always said, another day, I'll try it another day. And they'll all of a sudden realize they're all gone. And they're going to, they're going to walk through those seven years. Some will lose their heads. Some will, some, many will die. I mean, the half of the world's population will go through the midst of those seven years, be gone. So it's going to not be an easy thing, but it's not because God wanted that. It's now the church has been separated unto the Lord, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. All of those things have taken place, and he's waiting for the 
closure of the seven years so he can get us together with him on horses and we can come down and watch him release with the tongue, the sword of his mouth and take out everything that's in rebellion to him. Wow. So Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation, which we know I'm saved by grace through faith, has appeared to all men teaching us. Grace teaches. Grace has a way of communicating. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. The first thing you remember when you became a believer is you had to walk away from the paths that you were living. The life you were living, the friends you were keeping. You say, all you did is probably what I did. I just witnessed all my friends and they left me. Some got saved, but the rest of them said, you know, get away. But you just get out. Ungodliness, worldly lust, ungodliness, worldly lust. It's just, it's just prevalent, and we have to come out of that. Deny it. Put it aside. Just, I'm not going there. We should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. So there's the, uh, the manner in which we live is going to carry all of this importance in the preparation for the Lord's return. Looking for, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God and great, great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So grace teaches me, deny the world and all its lusts that are in it. Because the love of the world is, you can't have the love of the Father in you. So just, you got to disengage, disengage. But, but, be in, but be engaged in walking in all of the ways of the Lord. Begin to put on your faith, you know, so forth. Grow it. And then anticipate. Get ready to receive. The word looking for means get ready to welcome. Looking for the blessed hope and appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. It's in the Bible. It's just there. Meaning we have this union with Jesus Christ is changing the way I live, the way I think, the way I talk, the way I retreat my brothers, my neighbors. And he's redeemed us from every lawless deed, purified for himself his own special people. This bride, this beautiful bride, zealous for good works. Why are we zealous for good works? Not to be saved, but because we are saved. Because let the rest of the guys eat, have coffee and donuts. I've got to face the shelves. Because it's not, it's not that that's going to make a difference in the eternal kingdom, but it makes a major difference in my heart. It's submission under his word. So here I am. Facing the shelf. And then he says, don't grumble. And he says, don't complain. And don't you go tattle on the boss and tell the other people. Don't try to control them. He's thinking, God, all you're talking about is me. He goes, exactly. I want you to look like me. And you can be expectant that we're going to get ready and we're coming together because I'm coming. I'm coming quickly. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Beloved, God is returning to his church the, the resurrection of the dead. And the unique, there's, there's, you know, you don't want to be in the second resurrection of the dead. That's the right white throne judgment. That's where all you decide, all it's decided is how severe will your punishment be in eternity, in the lake of fire. You just, that's not where. But this resurrection, the church, the, the one, this bride, it's ours. It's ours. It's our inheritance. It's our anticipation. And it's imminent. And it's to, we can be anticipating. Because if we die, we're going we're to to be the first in the resurrection. Right. And if we don't die, we'll be right there in the resurrection and watch that, trans, that transformation take place while we go from this body into the new body and a flash into the presence of the Lord. Wow. Let's stand together, please. There's so much more. This has given me such a, 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 
uh, uh, it deals with fear for me. So I don't, I'm not afraid of the things that are coming because I am, know whose I belong to. And I'm anticipating I'm not going to go through the wrath of God in any form because I'm being, I've been set aside to be married and presented to the Lord, and he's ready to come. And, I'm, and I want to practice getting into that place of heart and attitude. So I'm looking for him because as soon as he appears, I'm going to appear with him in glory. And I want, to, I want to make that change as easy as I can by practicing the change today. Now, Lord, beloved, if you have, first thing we have to all do is get saved every day. I get saved every day. I don't mean that I restart salvation. I just restart salvation. I return to salvation. I re, I. I come back into agreement with Jesus Christ and to his word. I, I do. I don't wake up feeling the way I end the day. I, hopefully every day I end up full of faith and full of joy and full of life and, and having a conversation. But I don't always wake up that way. Many times I wake up worrying, confused, and chaos, conflicts, and I have to make a decision. I can't be. I hear the Lord. He said, come up. Get in agreement with me. Function from where I am. And then it's always forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Have you forgotten to forgive? Because if you forget to forgive, I forgot to forgive you. That's why life's getting so hard. You're back in the torturers, the tormentors that got you. You got to release. I released you from a great debt. Release everybody from their debt. Forgive, forgive, forgive. So it's this practicing. How do you get saved? We believe with our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That because he was he died for my sin. Now God called him out of the abyss as his son and proved it in the resurrection. And because I believe God raised Jesus from the dead, God says that's faith and that's righteousness and I impute it to you. You are now remitted of all sin and all conflict and everything that's happened to you and everything that you've done to someone else or did to yourself, it is all taken away and a new creation has been born. Yes. Every day. Why I want to do it every day. And then I confess, you, Jesus, you're Lord. You're Lord. Lord of everything. Lord of everything. You are Lord. You are Lord. And the Bible says, if I believe with my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I am saved. I am saved. But it, yes, it's as simple as that. But it doesn't end there. It just starts there. There's more salvation. Salvation to the uttermost. There's perfections. There's resurrection. So I come every day. I'd like to lead us in a prayer. I'd like to lead each of us in a prayer one more time. As always the first time. And ask God to renew us. If you'd like to join me in the prayer, just raise your hand. Because that's you. So I, I, I'll, yeah, you don't know what I'm going to pray, but that's, I won't do anything that you, I haven't already said. It's all true. <laughs> yes, Jesus. Together. Heavenly Father, we believe that you placed your son on the cross to become sin, be judged, condemned, and a curse, and called him from the dead into being born again, the life-giving spirit, and raised him from the dead. We believe God did this for us in the Son. And we confess Say aloud, we'll tell anyone else that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. 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 Now, here's my simple prayer. Renew my hope in the blessed hope 
in the coming of Jesus Christ. Renew my hope in the blessed hope and the full assurance of the glorious Jesus and how I can live and comfort others and grow in this place and face the world with the love that God has for the world in the Son. I forgive everyone, all the politicians, all the people that I am in conflict with, all the people I work with, my family members. I forgive everybody. I remit their sins. And I want to live in forgiveness. I want to live in kindness. I want to live in joy. I want to live in peace. I want to live in breakthrough. I want to live in hope and faith and love. I live here. I am in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is in me. Amen. Amen.